0: The scripture reading today is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter two, verses four through nine. Hear the word of the Lord. God, who is rich in mercy out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him, in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow before God in prayer. Let's pray. Almighty God, Sunday by Sunday, we thank you for the stillness of this place and the beauty of this place and for the sound of singing and praise to your name and the prayers that are offered. And we ask that wherever we are, whether we are here in person or watching online, by the power of your spirit, you would be at work and that you would help us to grow in faith and grace using the words of scripture that we proclaim and the words now preached. We ask this through Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord and savior. Amen. Let me ask you to find the sermon notes that are in your bulletin. There are going to be some extended uh, passages of Scripture that we're going to look at and you may find it helpful to have uh, those in front of you. And if you're watching online, you can download the sermon notes which are there as well. So in our sermons during the season of Lent, the weeks leading up to Easter, we're looking at the teaching of Scripture as it relates to the death of Jesus, and in particular the death of Jesus on the cross, this symbol that we have above us hanging here in the sanctuary. Scripture speaks, for example, about the cross of Jesus being the means of our reconciliation to God. speaks about the existence of death itself being dealt a death blow by the cross. Scripture speaks about the transformation of our lives being accomplished by the example and the power of the cross. And about the daily command, and we looked at this last Sunday, to carry the cross, not simply meaning putting up with a few inconveniences here and there, oh, this is the cross that I have to bear, though we do have to do that. But the cross is an instrument of death, telling us that we need to put to death the illusion that we are in control of our lives. Perhaps more than at any other period in recent history, we realize that history is not in control of human beings. Things happen that we cannot control but nor are we in control of our lives and the cross tells us that we must put to death that illusion and hand over the control of our lives to our Lord Jesus Christ. So these are some of the themes in Scripture relating to the cross of Jesus, and there's one more at least, there are others, but one more at least that I want us to look at during this season, and that is our topic for this morning. And it has to do with boasting in the cross. Boasting in the cross. When the Apostle Paul writes to Christians in the church in Galatia, in chapter 6 and at verse 4, he writes these words, he says, May I never boast of anything except the cross, of our Lord Jesus Christ. May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Boasting in the cross. Actually, it's a strange thing when you think about it. Sometimes we don't think how strange it is because the cross is covered with all the glitz and glitter of our lives. It's a piece of jewelry. It's a symbol which we see again and again and again. But to boast in the cross... Is a strange thing and not only strange but once you remove all the historical embellishments it's patently absurd it's an instrument of torture isn't it it's an instrument of death it's an instrument of terror we often cannot see this today because the cross is covered with uh, all the ramifications of history and symbolism around about us but we need to get back to that if we're to understand what the Apostle Paul is saying in Galatians chapter 6 boasting about the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and to remember that in many ways the cross is like the electric chair, think of that hanging above our heads here, or more accurately I think it's like the guillotine in 18th century France because it was public, designed to cause fear and terror amongst those who watched in public which reminds us or at least reminds me at least of another instrument of death that was public and used in our own country especially between 1880 and 1940 historians say the lynching tree on over 4,000 occasions used to terrorize the black community often lynchings were advertised in local newspapers and you can go and find these on the web just now Tomorrow at five o'clock there will be a lynching. Invite those you are with to come with you, that sort of thing. And thousands at times of men and women and children would put together a picnic and come for this strange, horrible, ugly occasion. And by the early 1900s you have photographs of such occasions with adults and once again with children of all ages taken besides The person who was hanging there and then further terror created as the corpse was cut down often dismembered and taken to the place where the black community would live and just left in the streets horrific indescribable inhuman but that was actually the use of the cross in Palestine in the days of Jesus it was no different then the cross was their lynching tree. In fact, if you go back about 90 years before the birth of Jesus, the Jewish king at the time, a man by the name of Alexander Janaeus, ordered the public crucifixion of 800 of his opponents, who at that time happened to be Pharisees, people we meet in the pages of Scripture. 800! It would be like seeing a wind farm on a hillside, except these are crosses on the hillside a stark warning to anybody who would see them, that if you mess with me, this is what is going to happen to you. But my point is just this, that to feel the full effect of Paul's words to the Galatians about the cross, which is easy for me, as well as I think for anybody else, just to read and say, well, isn't that interesting? If you're to have the full effect of what Paul says to the Galatians about the cross, that it would have on anyone living in the first century, then you need to really hear again what Paul is saying. His one and only boast is in the guillotine. His one and only boast is in the lynching tree on which Jesus hung the gruesome death of Jesus on this public instrument of terror. May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Horrible, disgusting, absurd but perhaps in a way no more absurd than anything else that we boast in in fact it may seem strange to us but the issue of boasting is a major issue in the pages of holy scripture and Paul's 13 letters in the bible the frequency with which he speaks about boasting is remarkable he mentions boasting the subject of boasting which you may not have thought about much in a Christian context he mentions the subject of boasting over 50 times in nine out of his 13 letters, challenging us to think about what we boast in, what we treasure most in our lives, what we find value in that makes our lives, in our opinion at least, of value. So for example, in his letter to the church in Rome, we find Paul speaking to his fellow Jews who were boasting in their spiritual heritage, in their racial heritage and the heritage that they believed had been given to them by God, as if they were superior to other ethnicities around them because of their ethnic and physical ancestry, and also because of their moral and religious behavior and traditions, which they believed were a notch up from pretty much anyone else. So they boasted that God had been in the work in their people for 2,000 years, from the time of their ancestor Abraham, had civilized them, had given them the law embodied, in the Ten Commandments and they really thought that this heritage and their behavior in response to it made them superior with God to pretty much everybody else but Paul who himself was Jewish would have none of it in fact he dismisses their boasting very quickly by saying sure you're favored no question about it you're blessed no question about it you have been chosen by God no question about it but this privilege does not give you a leg up On anyone else in fact in scripture it's the other way around those who are privileged are held to a higher degree of responsibility you have more responsibility not less because you're privileged that's how it works in the pages of holy scripture and have you lived up to that extra responsibility "Mm," says Paul I don't think so at least ask yourself about that. No room for boasting there. So in Romans chapter 2, and you'll find this on the pages of your insert, it, he says this, if you call yourself a Jew and rely on your possession of the law of God and boast of your relation to God and know his will and determine what is best because you are instructed in the law and if you are sure that you are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, then you that teach others will you not teach yourself while you preach against stealing do you steal you that forbid adultery do you commit adultery you that abhor idols do you rob idols you that boast in here's that word boasting again boast in your possession of God's law do you dishonor God by breaking the law it's one thing to have but does it in fact change your life well he says actually at times no according to the scripture as it is written the name of God is blasphemed amongst the Gentiles in the rest of the world instead of being witnesses for God it's the opposite because of you In other words there's no room says the apostle Paul in Christian faith for any racial or religious or national superiority or moral superiority superiority any sense of superiority of any kind Pauls brothers and sisters by race he says have got all their boasting the things they boast about wrong and so too he says of those who are non-jewish they've got it wrong as well in fact everybody gets it wrong every human being this is part of the perniciousness of sin when it comes to what we boast about and we have to he says dig deep into our lives to discern what it is we boast about but the newish, non-jewish christians had it wrong as well he says and this was seen most clearly in the city of Corinth in southern Greece in the case of the Corinthian Christians their boasting had to do with what we call party spirit the scriptures call it party spirit various preachers came to Corinth including Paul and another by the name of Apollos, and also Simon Peter. Sometimes we forget that this local boy from Galilee traveled around the ancient world after Jesus' death and resurrection. Simon Peter came to Corinth as well, one of the original 12 disciples. And very quickly, when these preachers came to Corinth, they picked out their favorites and they began to talk about their connection with them. They began name dropping. And sometimes that's where our boast is. The names that we are connected to. Apollos is my favorite. He's the greatest preacher that the early Christian church has ever seen. And he probably was. Peter is my favorite. He saw Jesus face to face. In fact, he touched him and I touched Peter. I've been that close to Jesus. Or Paul is my favorite. I was here from the very beginning. I'm one of the original members of the church. And I remember when Paul came here. You don't remember that. You haven't been here as long as I have. But I remember that and he is my favorite one here so everyone had their favorites and pretty quickly the church began splitting into factions and parties behind these various leaders the very opposite of what any of those preachers would actually want to happen who longed for the church to be unified in their common faith in Jesus Christ so in first Corinthians chapter three Paul writes in the face of this false boasting, he writes these words. He says, when one says, I belong to Apollos and another, I belong to Paul, are you not merely human? Earlier he says, aren't you just like children? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? We're just servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord assigned to each, I planted Apollos water. But here's the main thing, God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. But the main thing is this, only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, says Paul. They want Christ to be at the center. But that common purpose had become lost in the boasting of those Corinthians who found the value in their lives in being linked to these various personalities. So Paul concludes what he has to say a few verses later like this. again he uses the word boasting so let no one boast about human leaders for all things are yours whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life or death or the present or the future everything belongs to you because you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God in other words the real bottom line when it comes to boasting the real important thing is that you belong to Christ This is the only thing that the preachers these three preachers want that you be unified in your allegiance to Christ but instead over your boasting you're breaking apart the body of Christ and you must make Jesus weep when you do that. This kind of thing of course still happens today in our world in fact we are being divided it seems more than ever over the things that we boast about whether it's our political labels Republican or Democrat Trump or Biden or our COVID labels, vax or non-vax, mask or non-mask, when things like these, and they can happen in any society in all kinds of different ways, rise up to become the source of our pride, the source of our identity, well, we tear the body of Christ apart and we cause our Lord Jesus to weep. And it can happen as well, let me just add this, when churches change pastors to take First Corinthians quite literally, uh, comparing the new pastor with the old pastor, and this may be a temptation. I don't know, in the days ahead, whether for better or for worse. The very act of the comparison, the Apostle Paul would say, is just wrong-headed. No, pray that Christ will be dominant, no matter what the future holds. May Christ be honored. This is Christ's church, and may He be the one who is at the center of all our attention in every case. Jesus is the one who loses. So Paul says that such boasting is absurd and destructive. And he commands the Corinthians to, and I quote, let no one boast about human leaders. Let no one boast about human leaders. Instead, maybe never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ah, there is something to boast about. The cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The public humiliation of Jesus the unjust suffering and death of Jesus on the cross again how strange is that why this boast why this particular boast why change or minimize or replace all of our other boastings with a focus on this gruesome horrific event two reasons to share with you this morning The first is this that the cross the death of Jesus on the cross reveals the extreme depth of God's love for us and the extreme height of the value God places on our lives the depth of God's love for us and the value that God places on our lives. Let me put it like this, if the person hanging on the cross, our Lord Jesus, is not just a mere mortal, but God himself clothed in human flesh, flesh, the incarnate Son of God, then this is actually the most amazing event in all of history. The resurrection is amazing, but sort of to be expected with a powerful God, but what you don't expect is for the all-powerful God to humble himself, to place himself at the mercy of the people he himself has created So that they have power to make him suffer and die in such a terrible and an awful way. But that is what we are saying happened. This was the choice of the all powerful Creator to suffer an excruciating public and humiliating death at the hands of human beings. This is, of course, a great injustice. And that's a whole theme in itself to explore when it comes to the cross, the injustice of the whole of the situation. But I want us to focus simply this morning on the fact that this is a matter of free choice from God Almighty. Jesus himself puts it this way in the 10th chapter of John's gospel. He says, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down And I have power to take it up again from a human point of view it's tragic but Jesus is still the sovereign God in charge of what happens and this is in fact his choice and Paul spells out the consequences of this choice of God made known in Jesus Christ for you and me to suffer on the cross Romans chapter 5 he says rarely will anyone die for a righteous person Though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves, I mean, proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Doubt God's love for you. Don't just dig inside and say, can I I really believe it? Focus on what happened in history on the cross of Jesus Christ. Much more surely than now that we have been put right with God by his blood, that is by his death on the cross, will we be saved by him from the wrath of God. But more than that, now we even boast in God, here's that word boasting again, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Because of what Jesus has done, we can lay aside all of these other things in which we boast and we are tempted to base our lives upon and say, no, here is the one thing in human history which should be at the center of all of our attention and indeed should be our boast. The sign of God's incredible, unbelievable love for you and me. In fact, it's an absurd love, really. As absurd as the cross itself being at the center of our attention. The lengths that God will go to to bring us back to himself. But this, we believe, is what God has done for us in Jesus on the cross. So the cross demonstrates the love of God and our value in God's sight. And then second... The cross also demonstrates God's passion to descend down to us, to lift us up. To descend down to us, to lift us up, and to use us no matter who we are. There is no person who has fallen so low that God cannot reach down to them and lift them up. God will go to any lengths to come to us where we are, to lift us up, including those who appear to have nothing to boast about. Listen again to what we read as Paul writes again to the church in Corinth. It was a major issue in Corinth, this boasting business. In chapter 1, he says, We proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to all other ethnicities, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness, being willing to die for us, is wiser than human wisdom. And God's weakness, again, being willing to be crucified for us, is stronger than human strength. Consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. Most of you had not much to boast about when it comes to it. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, things that are not, to reduce to nothing things that are. And here's the conclusion. So that no one might boast in the presence of God. So that no one might boast in the presence of God. God's hand is upon those who have nothing to boast about or who lay aside whatever it is they have to boast about and decide that the most important thing is God stooping down to us in sheer grace to lift us up we see this action of God in all kinds of stories in the pages of scripture that God frequently chooses to do his work through those who are the last ones that you and I would choose to do anything he chooses the rascal Jacob Deceitful, betrayer of his father and his brother over his brother Esau to bear the name of Israel. This is the founding father, as it were, of the nation of Israel. He chooses Moses and Peter and Paul at various times to be the leaders of his people though each of them has done something that would surely disqualify them from that and rob them of any sense of boasting. He chooses Esther, an orphaned beauty queen who potluck enters a competition and is elevated to royal power to save her people. And above all, he chooses Mary to become the mother of Jesus. Remember her song from our Christmas services, when the angel calls Mary into God's services, she sings what we call the Magnificat, my soul magnifies, my soul boasts in, this is my boast, the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And why? Because she's no one from nowhere, just a small village in the middle of nowhere. And God meets her where she is and lifts her up to this remarkable, this remarkable place. So she continues, God has shown interest in the loneliness of his servant. For the mighty one, has done great things for me. God has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the the thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich empty away. In the cross, God stoops down to the lowest point to meet us there in order to lift us up into his service. None of us None of us is beyond his reach if he will step down that far. God wants to do this with you and me as well, to meet us where we are, laying our boasting aside and to focus only on what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Or as we heard in our scripture reading in the letter to the Ephesians, these are powerful words. By grace, you have been saved through faith. Not only are your sins forgiven, but entering into a relationship with God that exists now and forever in which God calls us to be members of his kingdom and servants with Jesus Christ to do his will here on earth. This is our high calling, no matter where we have been. This is the gift of God, says Paul, not the result of works, the things that we do, the claims we make against God, how important we are. And then these words, so that no one, No one may boast. Well, no boasting except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have at the center of our faith this instrument of torture and humiliation. And not at the center of our faith only, but at the center of all of history. And in the heart of God from the beginning of time, this absurd and cruel instrument that God uses to expose the foolishness of all the things that we tend to boast about, our race, our self-righteousness, our achievements, our titles, all the things that end up dividing us from other people and dividing us from Christ. And then through it, through this cross, God shows us the extent of his love, the depth of his love, and the height of the value that he places on our lives and shows us his passion to stoop down to wherever we are and especially... To where we are when we feel as if there is nothing that we can boast about and there he lifts us up with him my friends this is the good news of the gospel of our lord jesus christ examine what you boast in and bring it to god for god to take care of and replace with what paul says in galatians 6 may i never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ let us pray holy father we bow before you please help us when we hear the words of the gospel and they just pass over us so that they become true sharp but healing words within our lives and take these words of the gospel this day and use them as channels of your grace to this end. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.